Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zanashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Ah, yeah. From the lovely uh, Hop Grenade in downtown Concordia. Concordia. Yes. And I'm in studio today. My first time here. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's it's a great great location. Beautiful bar, all that stuff. Even the bathrooms are nice. They are. Yeah, they smell good. And they've got a nice large... Uh, space under the uh, stall wall, you know, ah. so you can you know put your foot out there and tap or reach underneath or you know <laughs> you don't lots have to of bend room. down so far to reach under it. Right, right. Yeah. Hey, you could probably crawl back and forth from. You ah. know. But there's just the one stall. There's not another one conveniently next to it. <laughs> right. Well, no. If you're standing using the urinal. Somebody gives you the signal. You just Shawshank your ah. way right underneath that bad boy, and uh, there you go. I must say, I'm ahead. It's of lots that, of room yeah. in there. Yeah, you could probably fit like uh, you know, like twenty people in that stall. I think I think four wheelchairs could fit in there at one time. Oh, easily. Four, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. The city's pretty into it. They needed lots of them to be able to fit in here in all the places. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, special bar, special stalls. When you need things to fit into all the special places, there you go. Absolutely. Uh so what are we doing today? We're, we're, oh, well, we're well, thanking Scott was our... working on his log earlier. <laughs> in the bathroom? No, right here in the studio, actually. Hey, you, know, you got a nice bathroom over there. Yeah, I know, but if I do it here, I get to hear Bevo say the word log like 10 times. Right. There you go. Sometimes she'll pluralize it, logs. Um, speaking of logs, how about that uh, Blickman Engineering? Huh? Hey, yeah, they're working on logs all the time. Uh, we're breaking up log jams, as it were. Right. Innovating our brewing day. Oh, okay. It sounds like they need to innovate the uh, toilet. Nothing. <laughs> Better flow. Yeah. Um, I know uh, our fine sponsor, Blickman Engineering, they've been uh, sponsoring the show for like eight years now, seven something and a half, like, yeah. something like that. Uh, no, but they, they're great. Uh, they come up with all sorts of new, uh, great, innovative uh, equipment. The products, always, yeah. uh, coming up with something interesting. Uh, you know, the, I'm sure they're going to be at the uh, San Diego Homebrewers Conference even. Oh, yeah. yeah. Coming up this spring. Yep. Uh, you know, if you get a chance, you know, and you're at the conference, make sure to stop by and say hi to Blickman Engineering. All the good guys there, uh, guys and gals, uh, nice people. Yeah. Very nice. And... Uh, uh, he they'd, recently they'd did love a, to say hi. Yeah, he recently did a reboot on his uh, bro- boiler maker pots. Oh, well, there you go. Those are uh, now made in the USA and uh, uh, don't have the welds on the bottom like they used to. It's cool. a much smoother looking pot. Looks nice. 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 Uh, 
Uh, hey, that John Blickman, he's got a smooth looking pot. There you go. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's what I've heard. Blickman Engineering, Blickman with two N's. Go check him out, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. All right, so uh, what are we doing today? We're, we're doing uh, Q&A questions on uh, mash and sparging. Yeah. Mashing had a, and had sparging. several good questions come in the last couple of weeks. Uh-huh. And uh, so I thought we would take a, take a theme of mashing and sparging to address. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, sure. first one up is um, step mashing. Okay. And uh, the, the question is very succinct. I think I could probably read this and then we could make go to our usual short break and then address it at length because... I'll worry about the breaks here, son. Okay, okay. You just, I don't want to get ahead you, of myself. I, yeah. I will take care of all that. Okay. I'm, I'm, I, I got it. Okay. So he says, uh, this is from Kevin Lee of Seattle. Um, I just listened to the most recent podcast of the session. And they talked a little about step mashing. I would love to hear a more in-depth discussion about it from Jamil and John. Right. Yeah, your first thing is the people on the session, they don't know anything, right? <laughs> so when you want actual brewing advice, you listen to this Brewing show. knowledge. There you go. That's right. You listen to this show. Yeah. And so here's what we'll do. We'll take a short break. When we come back, <laughs> we'll answer your question about uh, step mashing right after this. Hi, I'm Jason Harris, the proud owner here at Keystone Homebrew Supply. We're thrilled to be entering our 20th year of supplying this great industry. And to show you, the Brewing Network Army, how much we appreciate your support, we're offering you 10% off your first order on our website, keystonehomebrew.com. Just use coupon code BNARMY at checkout, and I'll get your order out the same day. My goal at Keystone Homebrew Supply has always been to have a complete supply of everything a brewer could want. When you place your order online or when you come into our store, it's our goal to have everything on your list and more. One aspect of KeystoneHomebrew.com that we're really excited about is the ability to fulfill customers' exact rain bills. Do you hate to wait? Keystone Homebrew Supply can get your precious yeast and hops to you within just one day if you live between Connecticut and Virginia and within two days east of the Mississippi. KeystoneHomebrew.com I'm Jason Harris and I approve this message. Hey, my brewing brothers and sisters, this is Jamel Zanishev, and I love a bold, hoppy beer, one that spits resin in your face and makes you cry, Uncle. There are a lot of great hoppy beers out there, but at Heretic, we want to make something as bold, dank, and resiny as possible. We use hops at every chance we get, including multiple dry hop additions. The result is Heretic Evil Cousin. This light golden, 8% Imperial IPA has an easy malt character that helps take the edge off the massive bittering but it takes a back seat to the in-your-face hop character. We make sure this beer finishes dry so the hops can jump out and slam me in the taste buds. If you can't get enough hoppy goodness, Evil Cousin is your cup of tea. Cheers. Hey, dude, you know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no, all the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good, but stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man, this guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, write-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling 
without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ah, oh, it's that pseudo Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read your way to better homebrew. Have you ever dreamed of attending the World Brewing Academy? This year, thanks to Lalamond and Anstar, one lucky brewer will make that dream a reality for free. Lalamond and Danstar invite you to enter the Beer School 2015 contest. One lucky grand prize winner will receive fully paid tuition to the 2015 World Brewing Academy web-based concise course in brewing technology worth almost $4,000. From now until December 13, 2014, every Danstar yeast packet you use is your ticket to enter. Visit danstaryeast.com for the details and to print your official entry form. There's no limit on the number of times you can enter, so get brewing with Danstar and get your entries in to the Danstar 2015 Beer School Contest. Whether you want to build your home brewing skills or build a career as a professional brewer, this course will change the way you think of beer and brewing. Enter at danstaryeast.com and get the dry yeast advantage with Danstar and Lalamond Premium Brewing Yeast and Enter to win. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Bruce Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking about... uh, Mashing and sparging. Mashing and sparging, and we were going to talk about step mashing, right? That is correct. Yeah, our uh, listener, Kevin in Seattle, kind of said, I want to hear more in depth about mashing uh, from John and Jamil. Well, and um, specifically step mashing. Step mashing, exactly. Right. Yeah. So, kind of a, I guess we should start with kind of what, where, why, and how. Um, what step mashing is. Uh, right. For, so, different temperature rests in right. your mash. So, single infusion, right. single temperature. You know, one fifty two Fahrenheit. Yeah. Uh very common. Yeah. The so, sacrification rest. Right. There could be other rests. You could do multiple sacrification rests. You could do, correct. you know, one forty eight, one fifty two, one fifty eight, one fifty six. You could do a couple of them. Some people right. will start warmer, drop it down. Uh you get a little bit more extract that way. Right. You can you can adjust the fermentability of your of your mm-hmm. work that way. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a, other temperature rests that you can also do, such as a protein rest, somewhere mm-hmm. around 135, yeah. 130, mm-hmm. 
Um, typically, those rests are used when you're using a higher protein um, mm-hmm. adjunct or malt, such as wheat malt or rye malt. Isn't 135 a little too high? Yeah, it can be. Like the top was like 131-ish. That could be. I'm... I haven't used the protein rest in a long time. Twenty something to I can't recall. Yeah, one twenty five to one thirty five. I, I don't I don't do a lot of step mashing at all. I right. I generally uh if there is not a um you know, a good reason to do it, I don't do it. Right. You know, I because when I was initially taught to brew, there were a lot of steps that, you know, people were saying I should do that I found were harming more than they were helping. Right. And um, I started to think of everything that way. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Let me eliminate all this stuff that I'm doing and figure out why I, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, let me try it without it. Let me try it with it. You know, which one's better? Oh, okay. And then I started to kind of weed out things that, that didn't do me any good. And step mashing generally was not a, a benefit to me. I, I mean, I, you know, so why, why step mash? Well, uh, historically, uh, we were dealing with, and I'm saying we as in brewers, we're dealing with malts that had less modification. That is, the starches that were going to convert to sugars in the mash were less accessible to the enzymes. They were uh, still heavily coated in their protein matrix. Um, and so you used a protein rest to kind of help mm-hmm. break that up. Um, and even though the, the malt had been crushed, mm-hmm. you know, molecularly, uh, these these proteins needed to be dissolved to help free the starches to, to be available to the enzymes. So a protein rest was useful, you know, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, uh, to help with that. And the protein rest is uh, an enzymatic rest like any of the others. Yes. It's a different enzymes that are uh, essentially active at a given temperature like beta-glucans or... Right. Uh, beta glucanase or the uh, proteinase or right Pro, the, uh, there's there's two main classes of enzymes in mm-hmm. the mash the protein enzymes and the starch enzymes mm-hmm. the starch enzymes are what we know as the amylases mm-hmm. the protein enzymes are proteases or peptidases as well those um you know there's actually like 20 different proteases at work in the mash each of them with their own temperature optimum, even with each can of them you with name them in order of which which uh, which one you like the best to which one you like well, the, see, the there's, least. There's dark, sleepy, sneezy, dopey. Uh, and now no. is that top to bottom, bottom to top? I, I haven't decided, but um, I prefer either depending <laughs> on the situation. Yeah. Okay, All right. but yeah, there's it's like the, twenty. There, my point was that there are so many different mm-hmm. protein enzymes in the mash that mm-hmm. it, it you can talk about uh, a range of protein rests such as 125 to 135F. Um, but in fact, the protein uh, enzymes, a lot of them will, will uh, not denature even until you get to the sacrification region, hmm. you know, 150, 155F. Mm-hmm. So they are active. Um, the question is, you know, it's a matter of how much time you're spending in the protein mm-hmm. uh, rest region is how much activity is going to result. Um, with today's heavily well, modified Well, do they work malts, on different proteins as well? 
They do. So there's head-forming proteins and there's non-head-forming proteins. There's haze proteins. There are all sorts of different proteins, yeah. different length proteins. And some of them are very beneficial to the beer right. in you know, like you know, head formation. Right. The some hoardings. of them are um, uh, you know, less uh, valuable to beer, things you yeah. don't necessarily want. And those are the ones you're trying to get rid of with, with a protein rest. Mm-hmm. But... You know, my experience is a lot of people are harming their beers, you know, by these long protein rests that are, you know, getting rid of all the the head forming protein. Yeah. Today's malts are so uh, modified. They're so, uh, they've been broken down to a large extent during the malting process itself Mm -hmm. so that any additional time we put into a protein rest is kind of further breaking down what's already been broken down Mm -hmm. and you end up generating lots of free amino nitrogen Mm -hmm. which is great if you're making a high adjunct beer like a american lager premium Mm -hmm. premium american lager where you need some more protein you know to in this dilute you know uh malt mash but for an all malt mash any real time you spend in a protein rest these days with modern malts is going to tend to be detrimental you talk about uh, the fact that there are all these different different kinds of enzymes that will act on different kinds of proteins, mm-hmm. and some of the proteins are beneficial, and some can be like the haze-forming proteins can be uh, detrimental. The problem is is that there is so much overlap mm-hmm. between these different cl- classes of enzymes mm-hmm. that you really can't single one out over the other. Mm-hmm. So if you spend time in the 130F area, to try and to enhance your your foam proteins, you're at the same time the haze forming proteins are also going to be generated, mm-hmm. and and if you spend too long there, everything is going to get broken down to the point where your head retention actually suffers. Right, and uh, you know essentially that you know like you're saying the maltsters today have done the work for you. Yes, it's not like uh, you know and people become romanticize. Like Scott, romanticize the the <laughs> yesteryear stuff, and you know, oh, back in the day, and uh, you I know, sometimes six different rests. <laughs> it's right. not romantization if you're ac- if it's true. It really was better, right? Okay. No, yeah. So, so you know, just because something was done a certain way in the past doesn't necessarily make it you know something to to strive for it's it's cool to to fiddle around with it but Mm -hmm. it may not be making the beer better that's right i mean yeah and you look at um well i don't want to digress into hops but i mean you know a century ago you we were working with hops that were uh primarily aroma hops one-to-one alpha beta ratios in terms of alpha acids or beta acids and uh, they were old. They had been aged, or, or they were old at older at the time of use. You got a different big character of bitterness out of hopping a hundred years ago than you do today. Um, they've done some studies to say to try to mimic what that hop character was like, and they discovered that that hop character a hundred years ago was actually a much harsher, coarser bitterness than mm-hmm. today's high alpha, you know, clean bitterness that we're getting mm-hmm. from our IPA. So, right. you know, just because it's you know, older and traditional doesn't mean it's necessarily better. All right. So if you want to do a step mash, though, what yes. you do essentially is 
since it's easier to raise temperature than lower temperature, you start out at whatever your lower lowest temperature is. Uh, if you're going to do it by infusing more water, there's two ways you can do it. You can you know recirculate your mash liquid through a heat exchanger of some kind and raise the temperature, or you can put a flame under it, which it tends not to be so good because you can kind of scorch your mash, and you can also you'll tend to stir up a lot of grains from heating it that way, and they'll clog things up. But um, you know, probably the easiest way is infusing more water. So you start with less water and make a thick mash. You start at you know your lower temperature, then you calculate how much boiling water or hot water it's going to take to bring it to the next step. You add uh, you know that amount of hot water in. Stir it up real good. Wait for that rest. Then you can do another rest by adding more hot water and 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 so on and so forth. Uh, you um, uh, can also. This is essentially what a decoction is. Right. In order to uh, uh, change uh, temperature levels, do step mashes. So you can start off by pulling a portion of the uh, the uh, mash out. Uh, and putting it in a separate pot, heating that up to boiling, and then adding that back to your mash and stirring it in. And it does a couple of things. That it kind of explodes the, the remaining starch that's in those grains. It denatures the enzymes, but when you put it back into the main mash, there's still plenty of enzymes there, and it raises the temperature so you're at your next mash. Um, and then the other ways is to uh, recirculate the liquid through a heat exchanger, uh, that's uh, pretty pretty easy with something like a some of the uh, Blickman systems with the Tower of Power. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, more beer has a you know a system Herm like system, that, a Herm yeah. system. And um, generally, what you want to do is uh, <clears throat> you know you can raise maybe a degree a minute or half a degree a minute is tends to be about the the target right. speed for for doing uh, your your raises to the next next level. Um, what else? Are there any beers that Heretic did you do a step mash for? No. Okay. You don't even do it to do it to change to manipulate your fermentability. You just kind of change your main and your right. main mash temperature for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, and that and that's the thing. I mean, here's you know an award winning brewer making awesome beers, doing a single temperature infusion mash and you know, one mash temperature. Which brewer is that? That's that's you, my friend. Oh, oh, yes. I, I, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, step mashing, it is a useful tool, but unless you're doing an adjunct mash mm-hmm. or a rye or a wheat mash, something that has more protein than a typical mash, there's really not much re- reason to do a protein rest. Right. Now, I've heard that uh, Charlie Papazian does a protein rest on every beer he does no matter what. That was the rumor or the, the statement uh, five, six, seven years ago. I don't know if he still does it or not, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's... You know, as as brewing keeps moving forward, and we learn more and more, understand more and more about the ingredients that the maltsters are delivering to us, mm-hmm. I think it's becoming more obvious that a step mash is not needed. Mm-hmm. You can do it if it's fun, mm-hmm. but understand the effect that it's going to have on your wort and on your fermentability and on your beer. Right. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I think um, did that answer your question, Scott? Are you are you happy with that answer? Yeah, did you listen at all? Uh, yeah, yeah. I just uh, well, there's a couple things. One is why do the people that swear by it and to the point where they insist they're if you're if you're not doing a step mash, you're not doing everything you need to be doing. Where are they coming from? 
Well, it's like anything. Um, you know, if you've done something and it worked for you, it's like when you go out and talk to the ladies. At one point, you got lucky. So you keep using that same drivel time and time again. And really, you just got lucky with one yeah. really desperate freaky, chick, right. desperate chick. Yeah. And all it's not working with all the rest of them. It's actually hurting you. Yeah, that pink, uh, pink hair handkerchief was kind of you know, besides but, uh, the point actually at the but, time. Uh, you know, you you believe since you had that one success, you keep clinging to that, and you're sure that that was you know why you had success that time. You changed something, you know, that night, and you're like, oh, and that worked out. You know, uh, you changed something in your beer. You you sent it into competition. You got an award. And, you know, we all know that sometimes you, 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 that stuff is, uh, yeah. you know, variable. And um, what may be more likely is you got finally got the pitching rate right. Right, right. Something else was really, uh, you know, you bathed that, t- that day, you know. And instead of, you know, clinging to bathing, you're clinging to the pink, pink handkerchief. So it's, so it's superstition, basically, is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, a lot of times. Um, you know, but people, I'm sure, you know, uh, I've, I've heard Charlie makes a you know, great beer. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't make great beer with step mashing. I think what John and I are saying is, you know, why do it unless there's a reason to do it? You a know, don't, don't just, don't just do it to do it, do it because you're, you're actually improving your beer, not just keeping it the same. You know, and and wasting another hour of your day. Mm-hmm. I guess the other question would then be, when, how do you know when to listen to wisdom of the past when, when it comes to brewing? Right? Because not, not oh, a- that's easy. That's yeah. easy. What you do? Speaking of wisdom of the past, you download all the Bruce Strong shows. <laughs> There's your wisdom of the past right there. Huh? There you huh? You see how I did that? There you go. See? Yeah. 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 If you like this wisdom of the past, you can uh, dial in and talk to us live, 888-401-BEER, 888-2337, and we'll uh, possibly take your your question right here on the air and uh, make you feel warm and fuzzy. The the telephone isn't uh, too – it's not too newfangled for me, just so you know. I'm I'm down with the telephone. (laughs) It's a little new, but it's all right. Well, (laughs) because they had that back in in the 20s, so you're, you're good with that. Yeah, yeah. That's about as modern as you get. Pretty much. Yeah. After this, anything before the the stock market crash of twenty nine. <laughs> right, right. There's your cutoff. <laughs> I go with prohibition. Anything before prohibition was fine by me. You know. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's anything after. I'm not sure. I'll decide. <laughs> one of these point. One of these days, I'll decide. Uh, you know. And if you want to uh, support, you know, fine programming like this, fine information, you know, right, a lot right. of the stuff that John does, that I do, that uh, the Brewing Network supports is. All through the AHA. You know, speaking of the conference that Blickman's going to be at in June in San Diego. Right. You know how you you get to to attend that thing? By being a member of the AHA. That's right. They do the conference. They do the Zymergy magazine. They do the forum. They do the... uh, oh, they do uh, uh, the pub brewer- discount program, yeah. the rallies. The, yeah, I mean Discounts, endless stuff. The brewery that, rallies, and most importantly, they're keeping an eye on what's going on around the country. You know, various states, federal level, as to things, laws that are affecting homebrewers. Yeah, and they 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 keep an eye out on that stuff. And I think that that is one of the great things that they do. And one of the reasons to support an organization as a member, to, to take some of your, you know, a, a batch worth of uh, of money, you know, for, for brewing a batch of beer 
towards a membership, one, you're going to learn a lot of stuff. Right. Two, you may actually pay for itself with pub discount. Right. Three, uh, somebody's going to keep your hobby legal and uh, and enjoyable for yeah. you. So they're your voice in Congress and you know around the states to uh, yeah. allow you to to enjoy beer. They I mean, de- they definitely uh, help uh, play a big role in that. Yeah. Well, I mean, this year in California, I mean, we had a law in the books that was going to prevent next year's NHC. I mean, it wasn't intended to do so, but just the way a amendment had been written. Uh, next year, they weren't they weren't going to be allowed to serve homebrew to a group of people at an event, um, and uh, the AHA got yeah, behind the that. Southern California one got canceled because right. of that law. Yeah, so yeah, they got in there and fixed that up. Yep. So good use of your money to uh, support the AHA, if you ask me. All right, let's uh, let's take another short break, and when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. The best thing to happen to Brewers Yeast in a century is from White Labs. For pro brewers and home brewers, yeast in the new Pure Pitch Package, powered by Flexel technology, redefines how fresh your yeast can really be. That's because your yeast is cultured, grown, and delivered all in the same Pure Pitch Package. It's never been transferred and never been exposed to the environment. Pure Pitch is powered by White Labs' proprietary Flexel container, which took six years to develop and is designed to be the best home your yeast has ever traveled in just cut open a pure pitch package and pitch the purest yeast possible learn more about pure pitch powered by flex cell technology at whitelabs.com and while you're there sign up for one of the many great classes white labs offers like yeast essentials 2.0 coming up august 22nd and 23rd or any one of their great workshops for brewers distillers and vendors pure pitch from white labs six years to develop refine and perfect two seconds to open When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it, too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerone's are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone's are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Tonight is the night. We bring the creature to life, Dr. Blitzkrankstein? Yes, J.P. Gore. Everything is perfect for my next fermented creation. My father, the storm is too far away. We'll never have enough power to isomerize the creature's alphas. <laughs> yes, J.P. Gore. We will, for I have in my possession the Tower of Power. <laughs> Glickman's new Tower of Power is the evolution of automation. Control hot liquor, sparge, and mash temps like a pro. The Tower of Power is a high-quality gas-fired rim system that works with your current brewing setup. With ultra-precision, the tower can hold your mash to one-half of a degree Fahrenheit. Precision and repeatability. The Tower of Power is the answer to automatic, fast ramp times. See more at BlickmanEngineering.com. Bring your next creation to life with the Tower of Power. 
Mr. Blickenstein, with the tower of power, you could probably give me an afternoon at the pub to enjoy a pint. Don't be silly, J.P. Gore. We have beer to brew. Now, Northern Brewer presents What If Homebrewers Ruled the World? Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll follow me, I will lead you into the gallery area. Now, the first piece of for sale today is a Jamil Zena Chef original, a bottle of 1997 vintage Evil Twin. Oh, I see. A bidding for this one-of-a-kind piece will start at £7,000. And if you'll continue to follow me, ladies and gentlemen, I can show you a rather abstract piece from Bay Area brewer Justin Crossley. It's a German Doppelbach entitled Justin's Giant Bach. The brewer's notes here indicate that this beer had excellent mouthfeel. That's just a crazy dream. Or is it? With Northern Brewer, a thirsty nation can craft its own ale and water for the greater good of mankind. Northern Brewer, the home of superior customer service and the finest selection of home-brewing goods for the future. Hey, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months until the the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew for Your Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. Having a good old time in the studio. And the greatest thing about it is, instead of going to Doc's old skeezy kegerator with lines (laughs) from the day that thing was put into that studio in Martinez... To the day you left, the lines in that thing were never, ever, ever cleaned. Nobody ever cleaned those lines. <laughs> nope. They were horrible. Uh, it was uh, vinegar and butter and crap and the turd. The, you, you know, the first thing out would be like a turd. And then, you know, then they would follow with beer. And then, you know, eventually it could, could become sort of drinkable. Yeah. Again, well, you, you think of Bebo would have cleaned those things. I mean, you know, she was there. She's a girl. I mean, do it. You know, I wasn't on the payroll then. Oh, okay, right. That's right. But yeah. you were cleaning lines. <laughs> just just oh, not on the clock. Cleaning. And that's what you were getting at, isn't it, Palmer? I'm just playing along. Don't look at me. Well, and now... What we do is we walk outside, we look at the 21 taps on, right. we, uh, we look at the attractive uh, staff working behind the bar, and uh, we say, hey, give me one of those, and yeah. that's it. Do, I, that brings up a question, The, though, the glasses are clean. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing. 
I I appreciate the effort that you know cleaning a bunch of glasses in some skeezy studio in Martinez is not so easy. Right. However, but it was sink those things thing. smelled like ass and they were <laughs> nasty. I am so glad we're not there anymore. I I love Martinez. Great town. Some wonderful people there. Oh, great yeah. places to go. Like go to Creek Monkey. That sounds good. Don't drink beer at the old BN studio. Go to Creek Monkey and have a beer. You know, <laughs> come here and have a beer. Yeah. We were really suffering there. I'm telling you, that was that was third world. That was ghetto. It was it was not purpose built. Yeah. <laughs> No sink, no if, no drink. Right, if the purpose is to uh, have a decent beer, not purpose built. Yeah. It did make me think of a question though, because uh, Palmer got himself uh, an evil twin, and uh, you guys were tasting it. And I was wondering about palate objectivity. Do you have an issue with tasting your being able to be objective when tasting your own? beer? I figure if anybody can, you can. But how is how is right? That? Um, I I like our beers. You know, that's the reason we send them out. So I, I always worry about that because um, it's too easy to say, no, my beer's fine. And I've run into so many, I've run into so many brewers that were like, no, my beer's great. And you're just like, wow, you know, there's a real problem with this thing. It's, you know, it's sour, it's buttery, it's, yeah. you know, it smells really nasty. And they don't taste that. And, you know, you're thinking you've got a good enough relationship with them, you can say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little something off there, and it's just really over the top. I'm like, no, it's perfect. <laughs> You're like, uh, okay, I know how this person works, and they just can't see it. And um, so I'm always worried about that. I really, really worry about that. However, I do know that, like, I, I taste every beer we make, and I can tell you – you know, little slight changes in it. And I can say, hey, 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 this is not, this is not, you know, the ideal that we're shooting for. You know, this is a little too, you know, oniony, garlicky, or, you know, this is a, a little drier, or a little sweeter, or, you know, whatever it might be. I'm on top of that. You know, I, I annoy the hell out of Chris. I'm like, hey, hey, what happened on this batch? And he's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, because it's such a small difference. You know, sometimes it's, it's the hops are a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one one cut of hops that we got versus you know another, or you know something's happened. Uh, you know, a different lot of grain. You're working with all these agricultural products. There's only oh, so yeah. much you can yeah. do. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's something you got to really watch out for. So, yeah. well, and it's applicable to homebrewers too, obviously, right? Because oh, they're tasting yeah. their own stuff, like you just said. And so, did right. you have any issues with that when you were competition brewing as a homebrewer? Um. Yeah, I you know, do. you you do have issues with that. I, I oh, got yeah. better and better at it. You know, but initially, it really, you know, it's tough because uh, you know, without sending it into competition, you don't really know. You think you know, and then you're like, eh, I don't know. And then people tell you it's good, and you think it's bad. People tell you it's bad, and you think it's good, and you're just like, you know, it totally screws mm-hmm. you up. So. Competition is the only really way to, to do that, I think. At least get objective feedback. What, what about a, a homebrew club meeting? Because it seems no. like... Oh, yeah. no. Well, that's true. Uh, homebrew club means, I mean, if they know it's yours, they'll be nice. Hmm. Or, you know, somebody beat somebody in a competition or somebody didn't share, you know, some hops with somebody. And, you know, it's, it's like, uh, you know, asking... Uh, 
your significant other if you look fat? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Did you take the garbage out? No. You look fat. <laughs> you know? Yeah, my wife told me that all the time. It all just depends on, you know, so many little things, you know, how the person's feeling that day. So, you know, just depending on one person, you know, for something, that's that's tricky in and of itself because, you know, each person's different. There are days when I go and I taste beer and I'm just like, ah, that doesn't taste right. That doesn't taste right. And then I realize it's me. You know, it's not all these beers. You know, I'm having like six yeah. different beers and all of them don't taste right. Well, maybe I'm the problem. Yeah. You know, that happens. It was that big lunch of Korean barbecue that kind of threw you off. Right. right. Uh, yeah, it, it could be. So, um, yeah, no, that's a good question, Scott. Uh, it's just, uh, it's tricky. It's tricky. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you really, and anybody who thinks that they can do it and are perfect at it, they're full of shit. They really don't know what they're talking about. It's any area of life, too, right? I mean, everyone yeah, thinks their absolutely. house is decorated nicely, right. except for I nobody really. else does. Just you do. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just I, I would want to find uh, solutions for people out there who want uh, truly want objective feedback. Competition. And that's yeah. it. There's mm-hmm. your answer. Right. Yeah. There's no competition for, uh, you know, uh, well, there's probably competitions for everything. House decorating, <laughs> radio voice, uh, whatever it might be. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you need to, uh, you always need to, you know, look back at yourself when you're when you're trying to evaluate something and, and say, hey, you know, I could be wrong. Uh, you know, it seems like this, but, you know, mm-hmm. let me let me get some backup. Yeah, I'm always super critical of my home brews. I mean, uh, you know, I'll brew it and I have a great time brewing it. And then I'll, when I finally get around to tasting it, it's like, I don't know, it's just not like. It's like a little hot, and you know I'm. I didn't I, taste a lot. I haven't tasted a lot of yours. No, I mean I, I have. I, that's the problem these days. I'm doing so many beer things. I'm not brewing very often, so I don't. I'm not in practice, you know. So, you know, pitching rate, oxygenation rate. Uh-huh. I mean, there's so many little things that can be just a little off, right. and I taste enough beer all the time so that I'm really critical when, of my brews. When we first met. We met at, uh, it was the MCAB event in Berkeley. 2000, yeah. 2000. And uh, you and I met, and they were doing a, uh, a off-flavor tasting. They were sending around pictures of, like, uh, Coors or, or Bud with mm. uh, doses of stuff. Yeah. And I remember you were quite good at it. You were picking out stuff that the rest of us weren't. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good beer judge. I'm not, I'm not a a master or a grandmaster or whatever, but I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I think you're good at, you know, specific flavors. Mm-hmm. I don't know how well you do on like the grand, you know, impression of style. That's probably, probably true. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm more of a brewing process person, you know, mm-hmm. and I will drink a beer and say, I like that beer. I don't like that beer. Um, and, but you know, in terms of like, Picking apart, you know, a particular northern German alt beer or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I really I don't have right. that information at my fingertips like a lot of people do. Um, but I can I can taste the beer. And it's like you know this is imbalanced. There's no off flavors. Mm-hmm. It's pleasant to drink. Mm-hmm. You well, know. and that's what's most important. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether it's just yeah. style or not. A good friend of mine gave me. Uh, he's like, oh, you want to try our cream ale? I'm like, oh yeah, sure. You know, I, I can enjoy a good cream ale, and uh, I tasted. <laughs> I'm like, so what is it that makes you think this is a good cream ale? <laughs> and I didn't mean it, you know, offensively. I said, you know, it's 
It's a well-made beer. What do you like about this? It tastes nice as a beer, but why do you think it's a cream ale? Mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you know, look at the style guide, you know. I'm like, you know, it's too malty. It's too, you know, it's you got too much body. It's, uh, you know, too much malt character. Uh, you know, I don't know if it was hobby or not, but, you know, I'm like, you know, this all, it goes, well, you know, the style guide says, you know, low to medium. That could be medium. You know, low to medium, <laughs> low to medium, low to medium. I'm like, you're missing out on the, I mean, you're looking at the parts and it is not the whole. Yeah. You know, you're you're missing the 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 idea. It's like you could take you know four wheels, a steering wheel, an engine, some seats, you know, headlights, and a radio, and all that stuff, yeah. and say you're building a car, but you know, have something that doesn't roll down the road, and yeah. you know, nobody would say that's a car. But it has an engine and it has a steering wheel, right? Exactly, <laughs> and the, you know, that's the problem. It's like, well, that's an engine from uh, you know. From, a weed whacker. Uh, a weed whacker, right. And, uh, you know, that's uh, wheels off a monster truck, and you know, or off an airplane. And, that's a ship uh, steering wheel. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's not a, a decent car. Yeah. So you may make a, you know, a great beer, but it may not fit in that style. And, um, and you know, I think, you know, it's that, that perception of what the style should be. It, it, it comes from drinking, you know, a lot of examples and, yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, trying to figure out, uh, you know, what the classics are or were. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's tricky. You know, you got to sit with somebody that's, you know, really got the experience. And sometimes you sit with people that you think have the experience and then you taste with them and you're like, nah, nah, not quite, not quite. Look yeah. at the lacing on that. Eh. Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful. I'm, I'm drinking Jamil's Evil Twin, and uh, yeah, it's beautiful lacing, beautiful clarity, and nice and hoppy. All right. What do you think is more common slash helpful to your long term processes? Being somebody like John, who is overly critical of everything he does, or what I imagine is more common uh, is the person who likes everything they do because they did it. <sighs> Well, if you are too critical of what you do, uh, you know some people. So I'm I'm very critical of everything, but I don't let that slow me down or stop me. I keep going. You just devastate everyone in your path because the solution is right. Well, or but on what I do, right? My solution is that wasn't perfect. Here are the problems. Let's try to do better mm -hmm. you know so let's do it again let's do it better let's keep working on this okay now how did it turn out is that better you know all right we're working in the right direction you know and you keep going and you improve some people they become very critical of what they do and they allow it to stop them right. i'm not good at brewing i'm i'm gonna stop i'll just buy beer you know that's disappointing right, um right some people they you know are so enamored at what they do they're like i made beer oh it's the greatest beer in the world and then they go down a road of opening a you know <laughs> nano brewery and they make really horrible beer and you know their financial ruin or they never attempt to improve what they're doing right, right. i see that a lot yeah. where people believe that everything's great so yeah. if you're opening a nano brewery don't sell your first batch because you've made it and you you know you feel you got to make money 
<clears throat> by all means, dump that first batch if it's not good and well, get get some get some feedback on but whether I think it's what Scott's good true. But bringing up is you know there's people who don't uh, understand that their beer is bad. Right. right. They're you know yeah. just. You know, they they think everything's great. They can't be yeah. objective, A, right. number one. And yeah. B, number two, they probably have their friends and family blowing smoke up their rear mm-hmm. end. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can be too over. You can't, like you're saying, Jimmy, you can be too critical and you can allow that to stop you. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, you can be too accepting and not strive for improvement. Right. So, yeah, middle of the road. Uh, be critical. Always strive for improvement. You know, if if this batch is i would i would i would say the better one is to be critical yeah and just don't let it stop you yeah you know the reason you're being critical is so you can get better yeah and you can get better and the first step is being critical Mm -hmm. there you are yeah so take a look in the mirror scott (laughs) oh this is specifically directed at me (laughs) okay i thought i was good looking (laughs) i'm just trying to help you out here I didn't say you were. I'm sure your mother thinks so. <laughs> I'm sure somebody does. Well, I'll tell you, you know, if if you if you think you're good looking and you think you're gonna, you know, be getting jiggy with it, uh-huh. check out uh, AdamandEve.com or find uh-huh. sponsor. They've got a ton of stuff that you could use for your romantic evening for the person who also thinks you are attractive, even if you're not good looking, right? Maybe especially. Yeah. Right, right. Maybe you, you buy a few things that will really help with that. And even if you don't have somebody to share with, you could find some entertainment for yourself there. That's true. I'll tell you what, because for a limited time only, you go to adamandeve.com, you use the special offer code Jamil, J-A-M-I-L. And when you do, you're going to get one item. You buy one item, Bonus. 50% off. Woo. Okay. You get 50% of that item, and that's all the money you're going to spend. Okay. 50% off one item. Now, they're going to throw in three free DVDs. There's a good, you know, figure two minutes a time, an average DVD like an hour and a half. Yeah. You're, you're like, you're talking, you know, four and a half hours at two minutes a, a session that you need. <laughs> That'll keep That's you occupied that, for a couple of days. That, 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 like almost a week. Yeah. Right? Depending on how active you are. So, uh, and it's not just any DVDs. You actually get to choose. You choose from genres such as anal amateration, big breasts, big butts, bisexual, chunky coeds, fetish gay, interactive POV, lesbian, milfs, etc. Ah. <laughs> and they're going to throw in free shipping and a free extra gift. Again, all you bought is the one thing, 50% off. Wow. And then you get free shipping, free gift, three free DVDs, all by using the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L at adamandeve.com. You can even do it from your mobile phone. Wow. Uh, I can't wait to see what that free gift is. Pretty awesome. And the free gift changes. Oh. So it changes you, over time. Yeah. You know, some, I, I, early on, uh, somebody named Wood told me that it was uh, lube, and then uh, later on, uh, you know, it was something else, and, you know, I'm, I'm guessing the Woods buy a lot from adamandeve.com. It could be. Yeah. They're, they're, as long as you're using off-code Jamel, I'm good with it, you know. That's... That's all it takes. Just saying. AdamandEve.com. Check them out. All okay. right. Let's take another short break. When we come back, we'll actually get back to another question about uh, mashing and sparging <laughs> right after this. 
Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and the freshest ingredients, backed by the best customer service in the business. Do you like to mash using efficient fly sparging, but would like an easy way to heat your strike and sparge water? Enter the new Brewer's Edge Electric Mash Water Heater, a plug-in, anywhere, precisely controlled heater for strike and sparge water. Ditch the fumes and second burner and make mashing easy. Go to williamsbrewing.com today and browse their vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 4 p.m. Pacific Time weekdays ship the same day. Brewing is easy the Williams way. in my beer again. What? Why? It's just too ridiculous. Insane prices, stupid contracts, high shipping costs, crappy selection. Dude, you need Nico Brew. Nico Brew will rock your f***ing face right the f*** off your f***ing skull. $5 shipping to all 50 states, plus fantastic international rates get you low prices on Nico Brew's great selection of hops and more. Whether you're a home brewer, a pro brewer, or a home brew shop owner, Nico Brew can get you the hops you need in increments big and small, single orders, spot buys, or full contracts. And there's only one place to join the uber-special secret elite bare-bones club where you'll get the best deals anywhere. Holy f***ing shit! NicoBrew.com N-I-K-O-B-R-E-W NicoBrew, your bare-bones buddy in the brewing business. A few things happened 30 years ago. Arfanet migrated to TCPIP, and the Internet was born. Revenge of the Jedi was renamed Return of the Jedi and opened in theaters. Mila Kunis and Emily Blunt were born, beginning a rad fantasy in my mind. But all of that pales next to the fact that HopTech opened its doors and began blowing homebrewers right out of their mash tuns. HopTech doesn't fuck around. Real people shipping awesome shit straight to you. Their new website is fast and easy to navigate. Or just call 800-379-4677 and let badass bitch Jade and the gadget guy Roberto blow their warm load of customer service all over you. So visit the site or visit Visit the store in Dublin, California, and support those that support you. Get your brewing on at hoptech.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like pub discounts that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more, Zymergy Magazine, and eZymergy. For tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love. And access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join right now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. 
More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of The Buzz, The Forum, The Learning Center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought they said two guys know how to turn queer into beer, (laughs) which I'm okay with. Apparently, I was voted the most gay of the brewcasters. Really? Well, yes. that is something quite, to quite a compliment. Set aside, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm. Uh, works for me. They never said who the runner-up was, though. I wonder who takes that honor. <laughs> Doc, I don't know. Um, I would have to go with somebody like uh, Justin. <laughs> He's pretty gay. You know. Not a lot on the the personal hygiene side and the, right, the cleanliness, no, no, right, no, no. Uh, upkeep of one's property. Just like if you threaten him, he starts to you know revert to you know. Oh, I'll, I'll do this. I'll do that. I'll give you His voice goes up an octave. Yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, gay to me is like being straight. I don't. It doesn't matter. Just six of one, half dozen of another. Who cares? Yeah. You know, it is what it, it is. What it is. It is what you like, and it, it really does not matter at all to me. So let's just call everything bi then, instead of calling it gay, because that's very right. egalitarian. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. That's so right. bi, man. That movie was bi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, who cares? Uh, all right. Uh, People mash, thought my comment was gay. And sparge. All right. Yeah. Well, this next question is from Mike Adair Jr. And he says, what are your thoughts on cold steeping of dark grains? He says he's planning on do, making a milk stout and had read online about cold steeping dark uh, grains. Ah, waste of freaking time. The recipe calls for chocolate malt and roasted barley. Mm-hmm, I've read mm-hmm. that doubling the dark grains, cold steeping for 24 hours, and adding that 10 to 15 minutes left in the boil provide a less acrid and smoother beer. I think would think this is desirable for a milk stout. I think no. I think it does make a damn bit of difference because all right, here's here's your thing. When you um uh, roast your dark grains, yeah. right? You crush them up. Uh if you were to extract them in cold water versus extracting what you're getting out of it in warmer water, or hot water, uh do you really extract anything different? I think not. Damn near the same. Twenty four hours in cold water. Water's a great solvent. Yeah, yeah. The, the only thing you're doing is accelerating the process with heat. You're not extracting right. anything really different. That's a good point. And if it's the boiling, if if hot is so bad for this, you take that same extract and you boil it for sixty minutes. Mm-hmm. 
there's your heat. I've, I've tried both. I think, again, it's like we were talking earlier. People are, you know, it was the day they bathed when they went to the, the bar to pick up chicks. You right. know? Yeah. Or they used their dad's cologne. Right. I, yeah. I just think uh, I, I, I'm not convinced. I am not convinced that it that is better. I mean, potentially you're extracting less of the dark malt uh, character total, and maybe that's giving you a difference versus being efficient in your extraction. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's the case, it changed the amount of grains you use. That's so a good point too. I, I just I I just don't think it. There's no scientific explanation for. Uh, you know, or give me one. Yeah, you know, tell me, tell me why. Well, yeah, why that's you bring you bring difference. up a good point because I think you have a lot of good points. Yeah, you there do. You go. Um, but I think I think you'd actually have to test this. You mm-hmm. know, with a couple of different waters, um, pH meters. Uh, do a I polyphenol think if you count. Are, if you are putting uh, just dark malts in a little bit of cold water, mm-hmm. pH is dropping way down. Yeah. If you're putting it in your mash, pH is staying relatively around, you know, the the five range. True. Yeah, it will drop less in a mash than in right. water itself because the the pH mm-hmm. of the dark malts is uh, quite a bit lower than mash. It's mm-hmm. it's often in like four point five region. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, I've tasted I've tasted words from cold steeping. I've tasted words from hot steeping. Uh, again, these are not the 24 hours that uh, this, mm-hmm. this gentleman is talking about, um, usually more like half an hour. And on the order of a half an hour, I, I'm getting less uh, sharp notes from a cold steep. Now, than have you just extracted steep. less? That may be the, may be the key. Um, although, and I don't, I don't remember what the gravities were. I recently did a, a little interesting um, experiment uh from, I'm revo- in the process of revising how to brew, and uh, I oh, said, we're all gonna have to learn a different way. Jesus <laughs> Christ! Yeah, I just I just get thrown out some of the bad info. Not that there's really any in there, but you know. Or, but anyway, yeah, cut uh, the book in half is what he just said. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, it, it, it occurred to me, you know, it's like uh, when it comes to doing extract with steeping grains, uh-huh. and uh, pardon me for digressing, but you know, uh, dry malt extract. Mm-hmm. Dissolve so much better with it. We're much less of a pain in the cold ass water. in cold water than uh-huh. hot water. Right. But you know, when but that's like a hydroscopic phobic thing. It's it's like a physics thing versus. Yeah. Well, allow uh, me to get on with this. Yeah. And so no. I, I said to myself, you know, so they've steeped their steeping grains in mm-hmm. the hot water, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to dissolve a big packet of dry malt extract into that. Mm-hmm. And it clumps up and it's pain mm-hmm. in the ass. Sure. You what, can do it all cold. What if you mm-hmm. do, you added your dry malt extract cold, mm-hmm. heated that up, and then steeped your grains in it? Mm-hmm. Would you get the same amount of extract? Mm-hmm. Well, I tested that, and mm-hmm. sure enough, you do. You mm-hmm. lose like two points mm-hmm. out of your total extract from like, say, 26 to 24 um, gravity, or in the case of what I was doing, like 40. To 44 now, to 42. Is that from not extracting as much from the grains, or when you are taking out your steeping grains, you're removing with it some of the higher sugar wort, and when you adjust for water, you're, some of it traveled with those grain husks? I think that is part of it, yeah. That's probably more likely than you didn't extract as much. Right, because it really, the, the, 
The I upshot mean, the, is the, that the, the dissolvability of the sugar right. is going to depend, you know, on how how you know thick a concentration you have. But if it's not that thick, the sugar will dissolve. Yeah, I mean, you can keep adding, you know, the the tablespoons of sugar you add to a glass of uh, iced tea. You know, the first one goes in fine, the second one goes in fine, the third one goes in fine. There's really no difference between the first and the third. Right. It's you get to a certain saturation point, then they won't dissolve anymore. Yeah. But I, I went I, I use water to grain ratios of like one to one mm-hmm. and uh, it's still got plenty of extract from the steeping grain. So mm-hmm. you know, that you know, that just it makes it easier to do it that way because you don't have to worry about trying mm-hmm. to dissolve the extract the malt, dry malt extract in the hot, which is right, a right. clump. But uh, where was I going with that? Oh, yeah. I can so, just do it in two separate vessels. I mean, you know, usually you're, you're not yeah. using a whole lot of water to steep your grains. You do a little separate pot. Yeah. So, yeah, cold steeping, uh, it can help, but I don't think there's, I think I agree with Jamil, there's not that much difference between the two methods. Right. There you go. All right. One more. All right. Hey, guys. That, that would be us. I have a question regarding mineral additions during the mash and boil. This is from Chris Bivens. Uh, it doesn't say where he's from. I read John Palmer's book, uh, Water, and that's uh, uh, Water by Colin Kaminsky and John oh, Palmer. Let's try and get through this quick. Okay, sorry. Come on. Wrong Which has a ton of great three. info. I think we should talk about the tons of great info. Anyways, <laughs> oh, here's it. I live in Atlanta, very soft water profile, great for making light beer, but not for making dark beer. I've stopped uh-huh. adding chalk to adjust mash pH. Uh-huh. As I read, it takes three hours to affect mash pH. That's true. I now add baking soda until I hit 100 ppm of sodium. This allows me to brew 24-27 SRM color beers. I hope to be able to brew 35 to 40 SRM beers. Any ideas on upping the bicarb effectively? I have heard slaked lime will do the trick. If slaked lime is an option, I have some questions. Any software able to accurately determine how much to use? How to add it? This is a terrible question, John. And can I add it directly to the boil kettle? There's... There's, it's a multi-part question, which we tend to frown on. But, yes. um, uh, but I think it's a good question. Uh, one point I want to address right away is you're saying this level of bicarbonate I've added allows me to brew 24 to 27 SRM beers, and I want to up that to brew, be able to brew 34 to 40 SRM beers. Um, just because there is a general relationship between beer color and the amount of alkalinity to reach a certain mash pH doesn't mean that is gospel and you got to follow it to the letter. Uh, I mean, you look up in the sky and you see dark clouds. It may rain. It may not. There's a lot of other factors that go into that other than just cloud cover or cloud color. Same with beer color and, and work color. So, you know, when you're adding alkalinity to your source water, in order to brew a smoother, dark beer. The thing to do is brew that beer and taste it and say to yourself, now, does this beer taste okay or is it too harsh? Do I need to add increase my alkalinity? Use the color uh, relationship as a general guideline. Don't get fixated on the numbers. That's my first point. Um, I mean, I promoted this whole concept, but people take it way too literally. There you go. That's the problem. You you say something, and then people go nuts with it. Yeah. All right. And the other thing is one question per email. Okay. Not ten. Yeah. Yes, you can use calcium hydroxide or slaked lime. 
and you can use various software such as Beersmith or my brewing so, uh, water app that'll be coming out in the next month or so. Palmer's water app, Apple Store. There I got to get an Android version going, but there you go. Um, I recently uh, converted to Fly Sparge uh, continuous sparging. I heard that you are supposed to try to match the rates of outflow with the incoming sparge water. Is there a benefit to adding the sparge water at the same rate as compared to adding sparge water a little faster? I feel like using a pump to add the sparge water at such a slow rate is probably bad for the pump. Is better to pump the sparge water in or the wort out of the mash? Seems like pump the wort out of the mash might combine to contribute to stuck uh, sparges. Right, you don't pump the the wort out of the mash generally, unless you can, you know, on a larger uh, mash. Yeah, I mean we can mm-hmm. pump it out at our our size, but when you're home brewing, it's better to use gravity. It's easier to control, um, you know, unless you're doing side side to side, you know, all on the same level. Then uh, you're going to need to pump it to the next next vessel a lot yeah. of times. If you're using a a pump at the home brew level, like a March pump, uh, which are very typical for us, always put a ball valve on the outflow right. of the pump. You throttle the out, never the in. That's correct. Uh, you know, same thing for continuous water. Um, you know, you don't have to exactly match the rate going in and out. It's just convenient if you can set it up. And the outflow and the inflow are matching, then you don't have to futz with it. You yeah. Know? Uh, but you can run a little more on top, a little less. You know, the thing is, if you run, you know, when you when you run it on there, the most important thing is how quickly you're pulling it off, because the additional water on top, unless you're talking some insane amount, generally. The grains are in suspension anyways in the liquid. So yeah. adding another couple inches doesn't add like weight that is crushing the grains down or anything. It, it really makes no difference at all. Correct. So uh, just keep some water on top and you're good. And then you can pump that in, shut off your pump if you're worried about your pump. Um, or buy a pump that, that doesn't have that problem. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any questions from the chat? Eve? No. Bebo shaking her head. There you go. Not that I got. I had. I'm having some issues with my computer. So if I have any, I'll pass them to you. And it's all those we'll porn sites out. and it, yeah, yeah. too many cookies right. <laughs> or something. Well, there we're over go. time anyway. So right there you go. And we need to uh, get on. We're going to do one more show, and it's going to be about yeast and yeast starters. Yeast and yeast starters coming up right after this. If you're listening live, you can call in eight 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 four zero one beer eight 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 four zero one two three three seven. And <laughs> we'll talk to you. Or at least Bevo, the lovely Bevo, will. Anyways, uh, if you enjoy this show, make sure to visit our fine sponsor, BlickmanEngineering.com. Blickman Engineering, Blickman with two N's. That's right. And uh, see him at the, the AHA uh, conference in, in June in San Diego. And uh, buy stuff at the BN store, the Brewing Network.com uh, right. slash store. You can get hats, hoodies, glassware, all sorts of stuff in Bottle there. Bottle openers. Bottle openers, uh, books, Jing and John's uh, How to Brew and Water and things like that. And Jamil's Yeast and Brewing Classic Styles. And, uh, and all of it goes to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and uh, helps keep this show on the air. So if you enjoy it, uh, you can support it that way. A lovely way to do so. Until then, brew strong, everybody. Brew strong. Brew strong.